Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Excited for today's show. I'm going to do a little solo Coach's Corner episode about some of the things that are vitally important to basically running your best marathon, um, but maybe some of the things that don't get talked about as much and actually aren't even in your marathon cycle. So uh, I'm excited to talk about this. Uh, this is basically a uh, an analysis of some of the, the runners that I have and seeing some of the people who have run absolutely fantastic PRs so far this fall, but who did so in a way that you can really extrapolate uh, so much of their success, not only to what they did during the marathon cycle, but their marathon cycles were all different in a way. But I think the common thread really came kind of before the marathon cycle or in between marathon cycles. And I think that's going to be a big point. Before we get into it, though, I do want to give a shout out over to Relay. If you haven't subscribed to Relay yet, what are you waiting for? (laughs) It's the best running content on the Internet. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Just look at this week. Just look at this week. It's unbelievable. Uh, 20 pieces per month. This week we got Zoe Rome put out a column late last night so i'm recording on tuesday morning she put it out on monday night uh talking about her excursion uh through the white mountains and just an unbelievable piece about running in nature and uh in the the kind of the combination of the two the intersection of the two and it's a really really well done piece just now i think it was like an hour ago kara goucher uh published a piece a written piece about her friend who ran the new york city marathon and kara and I think people don't realize this. She is an incredible writer. Obviously, she's known uh, for her work as a runner. Also, in the media landscape, she's someone who is, you know, you see her on the broadcast, right? You see her as someone who's who's commentating. Little do people know that she is a really strong writer, and uh, she's put up another good piece this morning. Tomorrow, we have Peter Bromka putting out a piece about Western States, uh, a really, really well-done piece. Uh, then later on this week, Lindsay Hines putting out a podcast, and then I'm putting out a podcast with one of my athletes, and then, you know, it's just it goes on and on. And then, maybe the biggest thing, next Monday, we got our first live book club. So we got book club with Kara Goucher, uh, Lindsay Hine, and Carolyn Sue. Go to patreon.com forward slash relay or just click the link in the show notes to get there. It's $9 a month. You can save 10% if you buy a uh, annual subscription. And if you don't like it, you can basically, it, it goes month to month. So if, if you're not happy with the content after a month, then you can stop subscribing. So I can't recommend it highly enough, not, for, not necessarily for my content, even though I think it's pretty good. Just the other eight people. My God, such good stuff. Okay, now. Let's get into it. Let's talk about the marathon. It's marathon season. After all, the temperature has turned, at least here in the Northeast and in so many other places as well. Uh, shout out to the people in the Pacific Northwest who had to endure some really, really bad air conditioning, uh, air conditioning, some air quality issues, I should say, uh, recently. Uh, hopefully that passes. I know there's supposed to be some rain in the forecast for today and later in the week. So hopefully that passes and you guys can get back into uh into your running um but with marathon cycles and marathon um basically the marathon seasons upon us it's so fun to to take some examples from how people have succeeded and try to extrapolate from those and use them for our own running and maybe not only do that but maybe see where We have fallen short and learned from our own uh, training, especially when it's juxtaposed against someone who's went very, very well. And I think that's a that's a big thing here and something that um, 
we're going to do today. So let's just lay the groundwork first. So we're going to be talking about some stuff that's outside of the marathon cycle. With that said, I don't mean to say that inside the marathon cycle doesn't matter. It absolutely does. And the most important thing in every marathon cycle in terms of a what kind of run is the most important is it's the long run, right? Of course, it's the long run, and uh, that is going to remain the most important thing. But the, the consistency, keeping up the mileage, getting as much mileage as you can that works with your schedule and works with your body so you don't get injured is vitally important. And then touching on speed here and there, also a huge factor. That's not novel. <laughs> that is not new information for all of you. <clears throat> Excuse me. But at the same time, you know, I, I do want to make sure that gets said at the outset, just in case someone's listening to this and say, like, hey, how come I didn't talk about XYZ? I understand. We have other op- we have other episodes to talk about that, and in some episodes I've already spoken about that. So with that said, we're going to talk today about something that I think is is vitally important, but is an easy thing for people to rationalize away um, for, for a variety of different reasons, and something that I've struggled with in the past for a variety of different reasons. Um, uh, so... I'm talking about some of my athletes today. I'm so excited about that. So so specifically, I'm going to talk about Jerry Holmes, Gerald Elmore, Richard Dizon, who's been on this podcast. He was on a podcast a couple weeks ago and ran exceptionally well at Chicago in Riley Hotham. These people all ran very, very well over the past 10 days. We had three PRs. Jerry Holmes did not run a PR, but I'll tell you why in a second. Still, like he was in easily in PR shape, not even close. Um, so he, he may have been the most um, most ready for a marathon of, of everybody, but he had a kind of a, a weird thing happen to him. Um, but these four people all had very, very different kinds of training and they have very different life circumstances. They're different ages and all of that. And their cycles were not all the same by any means. And I think anyone who looked at their their training plans would see that. Um, also, they're coming into these marathons with different kinds of experiences. And that's, that's another big factor here. Um, the one thing that was universal about these four people, and we're going to talk about the reverse of this in a little bit, is what they did between marathon cycles. And that is going to be the key thing here because as we talked about a second ago, the most important thing during marathon cycles is the long run. Okay, that is easily the most important thing. Now, what happens to people who are new to marathon cycles? They get to the long run and it almost always invariably becomes the same sort of situation. And I say this from experience, not only as someone who's coached people who've gone through this, but also someone who's gone through it myself. And that is you get to the long runs and you start to dread it. You think to yourself, oh my God, 16 miles today. When was the last time I ran 16 miles? Like, I'm not, I, you know, just a couple months ago, my long run was eight miles. Now I'm doing 16 miles. And I might be out here for over two and a half hours. And what's that going to be like? And you start, the, the idea of being out there for a long time starts to maybe worry you a little bit. But even more than the mental and emotional part of it, just physically, if you haven't been doing it for a while, it can be a grind. I remember last year at this time, I was training for my first marathon in over a decade. And that's exactly what happened to me. It was like half of my long runs, I hit mile 12. And I just like wasn't, my body just wasn't prepared for it. Like it wasn't a mental thing. It wasn't a mental block where I could do more, but I was psyching myself out or I didn't know how to work hard. That was not it. My legs just were not used to running more than two hours. So basically every time I hit around mile 12, which was usually less than two hours at that point, but kind of in that zone, my legs started to really 
you know, they didn't have much left. There was no juice in them. They would get sore. They'd get fatigued. They would, they would not pain, not pain, pain, but there was like that rumbling of pain. And it was not a great experience for sure. And, and this was happening at any pace. This was not, So when you have that experience and all of a sudden you're not, not merely in certain cases trying to build up your mileage in the, the marathon cycle, but specifically the, the long run mileage, when you combine that with trying to layer into it the idea of working on marathon pace. So maybe you're throwing some half marathon miles in there, maybe even touching threshold pace miles a couple times, but and especially doing marathon, marathon effort miles. The idea of doing that on top of running way longer than you have previously is a daunting task. And for some people, it just it becomes a lot. And all of a sudden, it leads to this domino effect of not being able to, okay, that happens, and then you want to take more days off, or you need some more recovery, and so on and so forth. And it can be demoralizing. And even if, even if you're not in that extreme case, there's another case here where you people who will go from marathon to marathon cycle to marathon cycle and not accentuate the the time gap between those. I think that's that's going to be, that can be a problem. Before I get to that point, let's talk about some positive things. Let's talk about Gerald, Jerry, Richard, and Riley, because here is the consistent thing about all of them, is that when they were between marathon cycles, their mileage went down, okay? They focused on a little bit more on speed stuff, for sure. Um, But the thing that didn't change was on their long run day, they still ran pretty close to two hours every long run, okay? hour and 45 minutes to roughly two hours, two hours and five minutes, okay? They all stayed in that zone. And that is a huge thing, okay? That is the most important thing, not only for people who want to work on marathon stuff, but just overall aerobic development. But if you're talking about the marathon, there's two big reasons for this. First of all, it's going to continue to work on your aerobic base, okay? Your aerobic base will continue to improve, okay? Also, and just as importantly, the, the strengthening of your lower body and your legs and the toughness that, com- that comes from putting on that kind of mileage, that kind of time on feet is invaluable to the marathon. Because I think that one thing that often is overlooked is that sometimes the, the marathon and the half marathon get, get um, for, especially for roadrunners, get kind of put together as like these longer endurance races. And then everything less gets grouped together. So you kind of have like these two groups of road running, right? It's like, Everything below the half marathon and then the half marathon and the marathon. And I can understand that grouping, especially because the naming of it kind of helps helps you along that path, right? You combine the marathon and the half marathon. Well, shoot, they have basically the same name. So it's easy to do that. I would say a half marathon from a training perspective, from a racing perspective, just from a physiological perspective for the vast majority of runners is much closer to preparing for 5K or 10K than it is for the marathon. Okay, I think the, the 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 major caveat here is if you're someone who finishes a half marathon closer to two and a half hours, I think that maybe that statement I just said would not be true for you. But I think for the the vast majority of people, especially people who are finishing a half marathon close to two hours and faster, the half marathon is much more similar to a 10k training cycle than it is for a marathon cycle. And I think that's an important thing to remember, especially in cycles between marathons. So if you know you're going to be going from basically a two marathon per year 
schedule, which a lot of people do. So you're running one in the spring, one in the fall. It is vitally important in between those cycles to make sure you're having a long aerobic day in between those. Okay. I just gave the two major reasons. The It's easy to rationalize these away. Okay. It's easy to, to do that. Why? Because you don't have a race in the calendar that's, that's, that's upcoming. Okay. In the summer, right? Also, if you think about marathons, unless you're running Houston, they're going to be coming in the spring and the fall. So there are certain days in the early summer where you're like, God, it's like, it's so hot outside. I just don't want to be out there for that long. I just want to run for like an hour and then come home, right? Same thing in the winter, right? If you're living in a place that's not, so if you're living basically, um, you know, in the northern U.S. or basically anywhere but Florida or Texas, the winter could be, uh, even in places in, in, in Texas as well, um, the winter can just be brutal, right? I have some people who, who live out in Minnesota. Even right now, I have a runner who did an ultra this past weekend. It was snowing at the starting line this past weekend at her ultra, right? It's like the, it was the second week of October. Um, so you have the same exact situation as you do for the summer in terms of like, all right, the weather's brutal. I don't want to be out there. I'm nowhere near a race right now. And it can be so easy to rationalize those long days away. However, they are the most important days and it's important to keep them going. We all know that consistency is the most important thing. But what's the, what's the second part of that sentence? Or what's the next sentence when you say consistency is the most important thing? It's not consistency in all areas all the time, right? There has to be some prioritization. And I think for people who are going to be focusing, especially on the marathon, is to make sure that you keep those long aerobic days all year round. Now, if you want to decrease the mileage in the offseason, totally fine. Okay, completely understandable. Okay, you can do that with your other runs. Okay, also maybe you're taking an extra rest day, right? Or maybe you're just focusing more on speed. And if you're focusing more on speedier, peppier stuff, then maybe your uh, your, your days are just shorter, right? You're not going to be um, you're not going to be spending more than say like 12 minutes in a in a in a, a workout doing like you know, mile pace, right? Mile pace to 5K pace. You're not going to be spending more than uh, 12 to 16 minutes in that zone for the most of the time, okay? So it's easier to to kind of decrease the mileage, especially if you're going faster and peppier. Um, so keep those long rope days. Now, it doesn't have to be running, okay? I'm going to put that out there, okay? It doesn't have to be, all right? So there's some people who like to cross train or say you're just in a spot where, again, the weather conditions are nasty and you just don't, it's not just a, personal preference thing it's an actual safety thing okay whether it's the heat or it's ice right so say you're someone who winter's coming now so say you're in a spot where it just gets icy where you live okay and you're just you you do the treadmill but you don't love it all the time so you're looking for other ways okay well hey you can hop on the elliptical for two hours you can do two hours on the bike obviously that's not going to help with um the pounding right kind of keeping the tolerance uh within your legs uh, going the way, you know, long runs on the road do, that's fine, okay? Because you are, you know, you, I think this is, you know, you can't be all things all the time, all right? But if you're if you're having that long day, again, whether it's, you know, on the bike or on the elliptical, uh, someone who's doing um, schema or stuff like that, right? You see a lot of people over in Europe who are ultra runners. Well, well, not a lot of people, but there's certain people, even top ultra runners who in the winter aren't running. They're doing schema stuff, Um that helps them build like strength and keeps the aerobic engine going and all of that. There's a huge benefit there 
and that those are those are perfectly fine and acceptable ways of keeping those days going. The idea is you still need those big long days. Okay, keep those big long days in the schedule because they will help you immeasurably. And I think this is the big thing with Jerry, Gerald, Richard, and Riley. They were able to come into their cycles, their marathon cycles for this fall, in a spot where their weekend long run was just part of their weekly life. Okay, this was not a big thing. This was not a change for them. This was not something that they had to ramp up to. It was just what they do. So when we're leading into the Chicago Marathon, the Long Beach Marathon, it was just a matter of, okay, how are we going to you know, work in some paced miles here. How much how much uh, marathon pacing? How much marathon pacing are we going to be doing? Are we going to be doing half marathon pacing? Are we going to be doing on and off miles? Stuff like that. Are we going to be focusing more on hills, stuff like that. Where all of a sudden we're able to play with the pacing, play with the elevation gain um, in a way that gave us a lot of flexibility because we didn't have to worry about whether or not they were going to feel strong at the end of their run because they'd been doing it for so long. And that really helped them. When I say so long, I'm not talking about years and years and years. Obviously, if you have years of marathon experience, will that help you? Of course it will, right? That's that's obvious. Richard dies on a great example. His first marathon ever was Boston 2022. Okay, That was six months ago. Okay, The difference was this summer after Boston, again, we just kept the long runs going. And it worked seamlessly. So what happened to Richard Dyson? Okay, so he ran Boston, his first marathon ever, all right, this past spring. And this year, he, then I would say this fall, he ran Chicago, okay? So two two marathon majors right off the bat. In Chicago, he ran a 315 in Chicago, okay? He ran a 331 in Boston, all right? This guy had a 16-minute PR, all right, in one year, and it wasn't that he definitely got faster. He PR'd at a lot of smaller distances in the summer. The biggest difference here was the strength that he got leading into the marathon. His, his long runs were fantastic in terms of ability to maintain paces in the last third, the last quarter of the long run, which is a really telling sign for how strong you are, right? Um, even if you're just going out running easy to easy moderate pace, for your long run, you're going out there, you're running 16 to 20 miles. If you look at the last four to five miles of that effort and you're seeing a pace that's you know consistent with earlier in the, earlier in the run, or maybe in certain cases, people kind of tapping the gas a little bit in the last four miles, even if it's just an easy run, there's no marathon pace in there, that's a great sign for overall strength. And Richard was able to do that time and time again. He ran a super difficult uh, half marathon. Uh, several weeks ago and ran very, very well. I was able to pass people on a huge hill in the last, I think it was like with two miles to go. Again, another great sign for him. Okay, let's talk about Jerry Holmes. Okay, Jerry Holmes for, I think it was five months, maybe six months. He um, He's in the Navy and he was on a ship out in the Pacific and in Indian Ocean. Okay, he did all of his runs on the treadmill for six months. Okay, so it was a wild experience coaching him because um, I wasn't getting any feedback in terms of like how his runs were going from, a, you know, metrically, okay? Because he's just doing it on a treadmill. Who knows how it's calibrated? Um, he's just working his butt off. He's lifting and he's, he's putting in roughly 70, 75 mile weeks uh, with a day off every week on this treadmill. 
And the thing was, the consistency was just every week. This guy was hitting it constantly. Comes off the boat, uh, comes off the ship in the middle of August, uh, runs the America's Finest Half Marathon down San Diego, which was a challenging day on a challenging course. And he ran super well. He got like top 40 at this race, uh, which was awesome. I remember it was like a week before he was like, it was the first time he'd run on ground, run on the ground, not on the treadmill. And like, again, like six months. And it was, uh, he had this experience, like this was like, it, his body had to get used to it. It was so different, um, which was which was kind of a funny conversation we had. But ultimately, he was able to go into Chicago super fit. Why? Because he did all of this training, lead, the, the full six months leading to Chicago. He was hitting long runs every single week. Okay, now, he ran 306 Chicago, which is an amazing time. Kudos to him. That is fantastic. With that said, he was on pace for a 249. Oh, my man, Jerry. He actually, two weeks before the race, he tried out the Alpha Flies. They worked great. So he wore them again. Um, I like, three weeks out, he bought the Alpha Flies. They wore them on a long run. They worked great. Warm for the next week on another long run. They gave him an enormous blister. And that blister, like, it just, it never really went away. So late in the marathon, I think what happened was his his gait changed a little bit. Not noticeable, not noticeable enough to for him to 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 register it in terms of like being able to notice it but enough where his hamstring on that side kind of tweaked and gave out around mile 19 and it kind of like you know torpedoed uh the pace that he was running but he still ran a 306 which shows you just how strong he was um to, to finish that race with it was an amazing time an amazing time that he said just five years ago, he would he would have killed to run a 306. Never mind, he ran an injury-addled 306, which shows you uh, where he is going to go, okay? Got Gerald Elmore, who, you know, a year and a half ago, he had big marathon dreams, but no real big marathon experience. And he has gone just better and better and better. I mean, Gerald Elmore, my God, you know, I, I, I love talking to him. Um, just... I remember a year ago, he was getting ready for, for a race and, you know, he had these dreams like, I want to break three, I want to break three, I want to break three. At that point, he was still half an hour away from it, okay? And here he is this year at Long Beach Marathon. He runs a 304, a 304 at Long Beach, and he is continuing to crush it. And it was funny because he ran a 304 and um, he was probably more fit than that. Frankly, I think it was more of a, a pacing. You know, he, he didn't dial in his pacing um, as much as he probably could have. I think Gerald's one of those guys who gets re- he's really excited. He's really excitable. He has a lot of energy and enthusiasm and passion. Um, one of the things that we're working on um, is in the marathon, making sure that that doesn't get the best of us in the first ten miles, and making sure that we're you know trying to negative split when we can. I think he he had a positive split in that race, which is um, you know a slight positive split is fine. Uh, I think it's probably more of a positive split than we that we had hoped for but ultimately it wasn't wasn't because of lack of strength and being able to hold it he kind of went out at, at around 640 pace um and then kind of fell back to more of like a 710 pace later in the race but still was able to hold it um and just showed a, a lot of strength and this is someone who just like richard is new to the marathon but was able to quickly adapt and get stronger and stronger because again of being able to handle those long runs in between marathon cycles. Last one, Riley Hotham. Riley is, again, a newer marathoner, okay? He's in his mid-20s and someone who, this at Chicago, had a 15-minute 
PR. He ran 317. He basically crossed the line with Richard. They didn't know each other. They didn't actually have the same time, Richard. And he had a better chip time by two minutes than Riley because he started, um, didn't start at the, didn't cross the starting line, I should say, at the exact same time. However, Riley, again, 15 minute PR. All right. This guy, pretty new to the marathon. Okay. This is, this again, same story, different person, fairly new to the marathon, but quickly adapted to, okay, the long runs are, is just what I do. And when I put myself in that position, we're able to make big gains. So I just wanted to express to people, hey, the more marathons you do, the stronger you're going to get. There is no question about that. And that is going to be a, you know, a critical thing in terms of getting better at the marathon is doing more marathons. Okay. However, don't view that experience as the, as the most important one in terms of getting better at the marathon. Okay. Really identify in the in the off season how you can continue to have long runs in the two hour range, so that when you have your marathon cycle, you're able to take those marathon specific long runs and make the most of them, as opposed to merely surviving them. And I say this, I'm gonna turn it back on me. Okay, this is where I was. Okay, in terms of I was surviving long runs. I wasn't. I wasn't fully making the most of them because I didn't set myself up for that experience. Okay. And I, those are two very different things. And I'm going to compare last fall to last, this past spring. Okay. When I was training for CIM last fall, I hadn't been embracing long runs for a long time. I'd been hurt a lot. A long run was really hard. It was hard on me. And I, I just told you once I hit mile 12, things would deteriorate rapidly over and over again and it wasn't a great sign for marathon day i can tell you that however in the spring shortly thereafter i ran cim so the spring did, was, was was you know came quickly and even in january and february i was able to kind of quickly adapt to okay i think it was i think it was like four weeks after cim i was in a position to start doing 12 mile runs again and you know basically building up from there and i noticed a difference right away I know it's different right away in terms of, you know, it doesn't take your body that long to uh, to adapt to this stuff uh, in terms of being able to be on your feet for over two hours. And once I started doing it more and more, it just began, became my way of life on the weekend or my long run day is actually Thursday. Um, but on my long run day, going out there for two plus hours, I adapted to it quickly and my training cycle for Eugene was great. Like my long runs went really, really well. In fact, it got to the point where my long runs, I was running kind of too fast for some of them. I would go out for an easy pace. It kind of turned into like more like marathon effort a lot. And I had to kind of dial it back, which was a unique position for me. Cause before it was like, I just want to survive this. All of a sudden it was like, Hey, you're way stronger than that. Now you have to be more intentional about what pace you're running because it's easy to kind of tap the gas too much. And that was a, not a situation I was in before. That's for sure. And that was a great experience for me. That was another learning experience. But it was great to see how quickly that happened. And I think back to um, sometimes we get lost in um, in our own experiences in, in the moment. And we, we lose sight of some, some past experiences. And I say that to say, you know, working out for two hours wasn't something that was completely anathema to my own athletic experience. I, I, it was a hurdle for me for running, uh, mainly because of my lack of doing it in recent years and recent months. But it's not like a complete different thing. You know, when I was in high school, and many of you can probably um, you know, 
reflect on your own high school experiences, there were a variety of sports where practice was two hours. That was just the standard time, whether you were JV or varsity, whether you're playing basketball or football or soccer or name your sport. Two hour practices were that's that was just the norm. So what's the difference now? Right. You did it. You're, you know, you're all your teenage years. You're in college. Right. You're doing that. You know, I was coaching college basketball like a two hour practice was just a normal practice. It didn't it wasn't a big deal. I remember high school basketball. I coach would put us through like three hour grueling practices. And I think back, I'm like, all right, well, can I jog at an easy pace for two hours? Like that shouldn't be that big of a deal. And frankly, once you build into it, it isn't. But the key is you got to keep it there. You got to keep it there because once you do. Once you stay consistent with those long runs year-round, or if you cross-train, consistent with those long days year-round, then you're going to really set yourself up for success. You're going to lay the groundwork for some big, big, big-time improvement, not only because you're improving your aerobic base, but also it's going to be much easier for you to layer in the faster-paced miles in your long run that can really, really supercharge aerobic development. And that's what I have to say about that. Kudos to all marathoners doing their thing this year. I'm so happy for you. And for those of you who are having races that you look back on, you say, you know what? I think that I could have done better. Maybe not on race day, but maybe in training. Don't let that tuition go to waste, man. Learn from your experience. Take the most out of it and do it without judgment. And I can't express that enough, okay? Treat yourself kindly. And I say this to a lot of my runners when they have an experience, whether it's in training or during a race, where I can tell they're being really hard on themselves and in a way that's counterproductive and, and not really great for them personally. And especially with uh, the athletes that I have who are parents, I try to say to them, hey, if your son or daughter had gone through a similar experience and was expressing to you or talking to you about themselves the way you're talking to me about yourself, what would you say to them? I was like, my guess is you advise them to give themselves a little bit of grace, to see the positive in this, to learn from this experience and to do so without judgment. So please do this for yourself. I know it can be hard. Sometimes we are our own worst client in that sense. And that's just the way it goes sometimes. But please get the most out of your experience during the experience and after the fact too. And if you can do so while not judging yourself, then it's going to be easier to really inculcate that into the rest of your life. So thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so, pause the podcast, go check out Relay. You're going to love it because I know this. If you listen to this whole episode, you love running, you love running content, and you're going to love Relay. There's no doubt in my mind. Go to patreon.com forward slash Relay today. Thank you so much for listening and happy running.